0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Is that on? Wow, I actually figured out how to use a mic. Alright, yeah, I actually made it here. Um, I think it was Annie. Annie was like panicked. She's been praying for days. You should see the text messages, you guys. It's pretty awesome. Um, John, too, but that's just because he wanted to leave. And so you know, it's not just me. Every time I decide I'm going to come, guess what the first words out of John's mouth is? Oh, good. I'm leaving. Every single time he was, he was supposed to be up in Montana right now. And I'm like, seriously, John, is there something we need to discuss between the two of us? Cause yeah, something, something is not adding up here. Um, so, um, yeah. So, it's been an interesting ride. Uh, I even had, like, what was it, like a week ago? I had to phone you and told you that my I had a, I woke up and I couldn't hear anymore. And I was like, okay, that's an odd thing to happen. And I ended up with some weird inner ear infection that, like, plugged all my hearing. Or outer ear infection, sorry. And I ended up going to the doctor and they, they gave me antibiotics. It was pretty disgusting, actually. I won't go into what that looked like. But, um yeah, it was weird cuz it was like made a commitment to come, then all of a sudden I was like, "Hey John, um, don't know if I can fly with a major ear infection or not yet." So, and it cleared up, and I was able to get on the plane and go and even with all the craziness and travel, um, I have been traveling the world since I was about a month old. I think my first trip to Siberia was I was a month old. And I'm pretty much well versed in travel. It is probably the most complicated I've ever seen nowadays. It is just a nightmare traveling. So if you have to travel, don't. Um, it's not worth it, I'm telling you. It's just, there's no way that could be fun for vacation, by the way. There's just no way. I, I do it and I'm getting on the plane and I'm like, I have to do this because God told me to. I, I couldn't imagine it being relaxing. So, yeah, it is kind of crazy. Um, but it is just the way the world is sometimes, right? And that's okay, I don't conform to the world. Um, so, I'm not sure about you guys, but lately, well, John asked me, hey, there's a, first off, he asked me, do you have something for the church? I said, I think so, I think God's put something on my heart for the, quite a few years, but uh, a few weeks ago, it really came out. But then John said, hey, can you share about this, and this, and this, and so this is like a 12-week series in one day, um, so yeah, we see, well, this is going to work, um, but no, I, after I was in the car accident, and as you can see, I'm standing, so everything is amazing with God, and some amazing surgeons, and just, yeah, I just, yeah. Also, I, um, funny, everybody says, oh, it's a miracle you're alive, and I was like, I'm not sure it's good or bad. I don't always want to be here. I'd rather be in heaven, but anyways, uh, it's kind of a weird sensation nowadays. Everybody's always so upset about death right now. Everybody's talking about disease and sickness. People are, oh, if I get a vaccine, I could get sick and die. Or if I get COVID, I could get sick and die. Isn't that what I want? Don't I want eternity? What do I care? What does it matter? The only thing I care about is making sure that place is packed. Right? So I don't really care about all this. It, It doesn't really phase me anymore. And arguments and stuff kind of get to me, and I'm just like, whatever, just carry on, do your thing. Um, I keep on hearing so much end-time speech, I'm like, no it's not, because we haven't finished our job yet. And until we do our part, it doesn't finish. So it's going to get worse and worse and worse unless we actually step up and do something. And uh, so it is, it is an interesting time we live in. The world's changed so much, though. And that's what I was reflecting on this last year, even, and stuff. And I was like, I don't even remember what it was like anymore. It's, it's just changed so much. When I was younger, which was a while ago now, um, and it just seems like it goes by, um, church was a lot different. Christianity was a lot different. Our whole faith was a lot different. If you want to know where the problem is in the world, I can fix it for all of us. It is so simple. Start acting like believers. That's it. That's how we fix everything. Just act like you're told to act. That's how we fix everything. People are complaining about the government. So what about the government? Are you walking on what God told you to Stop having your eyes on everything else and start focusing on what God's telling us to do, and what is doing our own lives. I've um, I kind of well, when I was injured for a while there, I couldn't move out of bed without like this being a just amazing episode of grunting. I mean, I made a lot of old man grunts, just so you know, for the last months. Um, I got the I got a lot of time staring at a ceiling fan was my entertainment because I don't like watching. Much TV or doing anything. So I started a ceiling fan a lot, and my best entertainment was when I found out it could go in reverse. I was like, whoa! I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, so I had a lot of time to think and reflect on life, to put it mildly. And God, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what it was like before and what it was that even I feel like I was missing sometimes. And having time set aside where you can spend time with God and really refocus is key in life. Um, I think that's why when some people don't understand in ministry, when you hear the word furlough, when a pastor takes some time off, I don't think the church understands how important that is because it refocuses the whole church. And it is it is key. It is important for uh, ministry people to take time off and refocus what God's saying to them. I just did it, well, wrapped up in a lot of bandages and stuff, and it's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, it, it's... Something I really had on my heart was, where are we going with this, God? How are we going to see this come to fruition? What's happening with us? And why is it that I see things so differently and it's changed so rapidly in the church? What happened? Well, I'm going to use scripture for once. John's like, I've never seen this in my life. It's true. And it's out of Matthew. And, and yeah, it's out of the NIV. So whatever, don't go with me on this one. Um, it's the only one I copied and pasted. Um, This is out of Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We call it the Great Commission. And and I really want to focus on just a part of this, but it, it goes All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is to Christ. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, when I first read this, you know, I went into missions. The first part I always see is make disciples of all nations, right? A lot of that stuff has nothing to do with discipleship. We always go out and talk about evangelism, telling people about faith. First off, the Holy Spirit's in charge of leading people to Him. It's not my job. The Holy Spirit's going to draw people. You have to be willing to answer the questions when people are saying, what's different about you? What's going on with this? How come you have peace? when everything around your community is falling apart? How can you have faith for a job that doesn't exist? How can you have faith for finances when there is none? Our job is to answer the questions and point them to why. The Holy Spirit's drawing them. So the part of this that always got me, so I work in places where um, having communicating this is, is, is difficult. So some people, like when you grow up in a Christian countries. That concept of God and and becoming a Christian, the first thing everybody thinks is, go to church. That doesn't happen in the rest of the world, because churches don't exist. So, how are you supposed to explain to them what it means to become a believer? When you tell somebody, what does it mean? To be a Christian. I think we've forgotten. And it actually says in here, to obey my commands. How many people even know that Jesus left us commands to do? He gave us instructions. Most people automatically refer, oh, the Ten Commandments? Well, no, he said I'm here to fulfill those. Not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So, there's commands Jesus left us to do. And we forget this. That in order to be believers, that there's things we're supposed to be doing. And this is really plagued... Our churches. Why? Because we become passive. We just sit in a sermon and listen. And I, I actually texted John a few weeks ago and I said, thank you for teaching the Word in church. It, it sounds a ludicrous idea to thank somebody for teaching out of the Bible, but it isn't as common as you think it is. How many of you get most of your Bible teachings from podcasts, from other books? from books that are written about the Bible from another pastor. It's a big number. If you ever look at the amount of sales for Christian books in North America, it is just, oh, yeah, I don't even want to get into it. It gets me angry because I can't even get Bibles and languages of people that I love, and yet I can find thousands of books on self-help Christian stuff. So it is a problem we have. And that problem is that in here it says, teach everything I command you to do. If we don't know what those commands are, how are we supposed to walk this out? How are we supposed to change our nation when we don't even know how to be believers? How to worship, how to pray, how to give thanks. Like, if we don't understand these basic core principles and walk them out, how do we expect this? And I think what John was just saying right before I got up is true. I think there is a movement happening. Matter of fact, I think God's pruning the church. He's getting rid of a lot of junk that needs to be moved out. And that junk sometimes is people. It has to happen. We need to either step up or back away completely. Loopworm is not something he likes. So you're either committed or not. And that's one thing that I've always found really interesting about being a believer. It's like, how could you be halfway anyways? Either in or out. I don't care which one. Just... Just do it. I I think, by the way, if you want to know why the church has such a bad reputation, it's because people would rather you stand to your principles and say, this is what I believe, instead of being wishy-washy on it. People want to know the truth. People want to know, this is what the Bible says. And I'm willing to walk it out. That's what they want. And they love it, by the way. I've never had a conversation when I use Scripture where people are, like, angry about it. Unless I use it to attack them. That's the one bad thing about us. Um, this is a recent survey. And this is part of why I've been upset lately. Is I do this all the time. Um, and this one, again, this, they, they do lots of these surveys, lots of places. But this one is a, called Lifeway. It's, a, it's just basically a church group that goes to different churches and gets a survey. Now, I actually believe this is wrong. Um, and I'll explain why uh, in a minute. It says about 32... Percent of Americans who attended Protestant churches regularly say they read the Bible personally every day. And evangelicals, uh, Protestants, fared a little better at 36%. It's not much better, but that's at least, you know, that's less than a third of our people that attend church read the Bible. All right? That's pretty bad, right? But I actually think that's a lie. I think it's way, way less. Why do I think it's a lie? Because, man, you get guilted if you get asked the question, like, do you read your Bible? First thing you're going to be like is yes. So, and that's why I actually know this is a lie, because I was working in a Bible college, which John and Kieran got to come to after. There, that was a good travel story for you two. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I, this Bible college, we, we decided as a bunch of professors, we decided to do a little little test on students. And on their final exams... It was a question that said, "Did you read this section of the Bible?" Because every one of us had a section they had to read, blah blah blah. And it said, "If you an- if you do not answer this question, you will fail the course." That's it. And it just said yes or no. Nobody answered that question because morally they knew they couldn't answer it because they hadn't read it. But they, so they didn't want to answer yes. Because they were like, oh, and these are going to be pastors of the churches. So they were like, I can't do it. So they, but they were like, they'd be willing to fail. I was like, okay, at least you, but you wouldn't even answer no. You wouldn't, like, it was literally a 5% mark of your grade if you hadn't read it. So, but yet they were willing to fail, even though they knew that. But, of course, they didn't even read the fine print, as, as most students don't. Um, I was like, did you even read this? They're like, no. But I don't believe they are. And this is why I know this for sure. At the same Bible College, I was sitting in a class that the New Testament professor was teaching, and he asked the students, "How many of you actually have read the Bible?" Nobody raised their hands. There's about 40 students, okay, and again, these are first-year students that were going to become pastors. Second question he asked, "Have you ever read the New Testament?" None of them had fully read the New Testament. Then, and I was like, "Okay, this was the best because." This was a, a Pentecostal college. And uh, half, it was really weird. Over half the students, though, weren't Pentecostal. Most of them were Baptist, which is amazing. I was like, always laughed at this one. Um, how they ended up there, I have no idea. But he goes, okay, how many have you read the book of Acts? Now, this is the Pentecostals. Most of their theology comes out of that book. So if you're going to become a pastor in a Pentecostal church, you think that would be it. Three people raised their hands. It was a non Pentecostals that had raised their hands. (laughs) So, and this is something, and he said, he goes, and he actually said this to them, you know, this is where you base all your theology off of, your entire relationship with God, and yet you have never spent time with his word. Almost every one of them would say that they got most of their word from YouTube. Videos of listening to pastors online. That's where most people get their information from. And books that are written for Bible studies. Now, I'm not saying that's bad to read a book for Bible studies. I'm just saying that, yeah, how are you supposed to know what's even true in that book unless you actually know God and His Word? And I just did this a few weeks ago with a group who are going off into the mission field into a very hard area. And again, I asked the same question of 25 students or yeah, and five staff members. And the only people that answered yes to the question for the ones that I had taught two years earlier and had felt convicted by the Holy Spirit to actually start reading His Word. And I'm like, well, maybe we're just not telling them enough that this is part of what you do as a believer. Maybe we're not telling them that you're supposed to be the one in the Word reading. Now, to some of us, this seems really basic and simple. But apparently, it's not. Because if I'm seeing this from all these different areas in the world, that means this is a plague a problem. If you don't know who God is, if you're not in His will, listening to His voice, how do you expect change in this world? How do you expect change in this country? You guys say everything's a dumpster fire and falling apart. Well, what did you expect? It's it's pretty obvious when you look at what happens. If you don't follow His words, if you don't get to know Him, what do you think is going to take place? So, this is where we're at a problem with. And it, and it is. And so... This is a picture. It's funny because I always laugh at this when I swear this is where my eyesight left me. Um, Every night, I was in a country where uh, there's no power most of the time and stuff. And every every day, I I went to small house churches that have like, you know, they walk miles to come to church. And uh, every day, I had to go um, work with these people and disciple them so that they could train and teach. You know, what ends up being their churches in these little villages. So every night I would have to go home and spend hours pouring through the scripture and writing out what God, you know, different aspects of His nature, His character, His commands actually is what I had to focus on. And writing out what God called us to do as believers. And then next day go teach it. And then next night, and i reading by candlelight. I don't know how people used to do it, by the way. You know, the monks that, anybody who If you ever hear criticism about errors inside manuscripts, which I know there are, I know why. Because if you've had to do this by candlelight, man, there's no way your eyes could be able to focus. Uh, Yeah, I definitely could not translate the Bible by candlelight like they were. And it is hard work to read by that and constantly be studying and doing it. But it was crazy watching those churches flourish. They don't have anything but the Bible. They don't have podcasts. They don't have worship music. They don't have books, study guides. They have the Bible. As a matter of fact, what we did was we cut up the Bible in the segments for them so that each church could have a part of a Bible in their language because we only had one. And then I had to make sure that they rotated it between each other so at least they got some understanding of each part of the Scripture. So, But they love the Word. That's all they want to hear. If, they, if they're teaching... They don't want to hear about your life experiences and stuff. They want to hear about Jesus and what he told us. And I think we've missed the point here. We've gone so far away from hearing his word, his voice, that our country is crumbling at the foundation, which is his word. So if we don't change that, we're going down hill faster and faster. There is good hope with this. The great news is that Jesus did leave us, some instructions. Like, you know, he came to the earth. He left his instructions. And these are in the Gospels. And if we'd spend time in them, reading them, um, we've narrowed it down to seven. And I hate this because, again, I don't understand why we have to dumb everything down. It drives me nuts that we have to dumb everything down. And, And by the way, there is not seven commandments only left. There's over a thousand commandments Jesus leaves. Now, a lot of those are repeats between the Gospels. So if you compile them all together, and again, here we go with the arguments. I think we've gotten down to 52 that everybody agrees on, but then there's an argument whether or not, you know, it's 48 or 52, and, oh, you can't win with Christians sometimes. I'm like, okay, can't we just agree on something, like what Jesus told us? Um, but apparently not. But a good friend of mine, actually, a mentor of mine in, in house church planting, uh, wrote a book about this, and George Patterson, and, and he uh Talked about how is this the basic seven. But we always try to point them to all the commands. Because they all link together. And a lot of us know them. You know we all know what God tells us. Like it repent and believe. By the way. Uh, no sinner prayer in the Bible. If you ever have to work with, with Muslims. The first thing you learn is. How do you. What does it mean to become a believer. To them is not a prayer. Baptism is how you become a believer. There's more power in the act than there is in the word. Your actions speak clearer than words. Repent is an action. That means you repent and turn 180 degrees away from your sin and follow him. There is more, more in your actions than there is in your words. And I always tell people who are going off into the mission field, everybody's watching you all the time. They see what you are and who you are. And that's what they're going to believe. Because they see things and they hear what you say. And if it doesn't line up, they're not going to believe. So there is an onus on us. Repent. Believe. Now, we're not perfect. But admit it. Quit being hypocrites about it, too. Say when we're idiots. Like, man, I do a lot of dumb stuff. And I've done stuff that I regret horribly as a missionary. Of things I've done and said. Which, back in the day, I thought was 100% correct. And the way to do it. And now I look back on it and go, where did I come up with this theology? And how did I do this? And I just pray that God covered it. And he does. That's the great thing about God, by the way. He fixes a lot of my mistakes. You don't have to worry about yours. It's mine that you have to be concerned about. (laughs) But be baptized. You know, it's a simple one. Pray. Man, prayer. Where have we lost that? Remember prayer meetings? Some of you have been in church a long time. Will remember when we used to get together and pray. You try, ask John and Karen. You try to get people together to pray now. Good luck. All my kids schedule, this schedule, this schedule. Everything else takes precedence over God. Everything. I do it, even. You know, and I've been in a lot of prayer meetings, trust me. I've slept through a lot of them, too. It's like, mm. <laughs> What I've learned is there's people that like to communicate a lot. You know, the ex-converts. So I'll be in a prayer meeting for four plus hours and I've realized that I get my sleep for the first three and once they've wound it down and their throats are so sore they can't pray anymore, I kind of wake up and join in. So you just kind of, I'm there, I'm there in spirit. But I just, yeah. And we've all been through prayer meetings and sometimes they get out of control, but that's because we're not actually praying with the Spirit. We're praying through ourselves. We're asking God for what we want. Why don't we just sit back and say, God, what do you need? What is it I'm supposed to be praying for? We keep on thinking we know the solutions for the country and what's wrong, praying for politicians and stuff. Is that what God's telling us to do? Now, some of it's in the word that we're supposed to be praying for this, and so we should be. But why do we always assume things and not listen to God? One of of the big things for me is healing. Why do we always assume that someone's hurt, bleeding, dying needs healing? Have you ever asked them? So one of the first things I teach in missions is when you go and say, do you want prayer? Don't ask, can I pray for you? Say, what would you like me to pray for? Because I tell you, almost every single time I've done that, I've never heard them say, for my injury. It's like, you know what, I can't get along with my father. There's something bothering me with my family. We always look at that physical or what's happening in our eyes, and we don't look at what's happening spiritually. And if we just listen, we would be able to see what's happening in this world. And it's the same thing that's happening in this country right now. We're all yelling at each other, no one can hear. Stop. Listen. You know how you get rid of an argument? Stop arguing. (laughs) It's pretty simple. Shut your mouth and listen. It's simple. And then it gives you something to pray about. You might not agree with people. Who cares what you do? I don't understand why it all became about us either. It's really anti-kingdom principles, by the way. Since it's all about God, why is it about us now? Because we've made it about us. We've made it about the church. We've made it about my wants, my, my, yeah, rights. Don't even get me started on what's our right. Right. Um, Yeah, go make disciples. Love, oh my goodness, the greatest command of all. And I think that's where we've missed out. Love God with all your heart and your soul. And love each other as you would yourself. Like, that is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. It's interesting, is I've actually had this conversation with many Muslims over the years, clerics, and I've used that exact verse to talk about them. And they so understand it. They so love the concept of that what God loves us. To love them with all your heart. But then we have to love each other. We don't have much love left in this world. I can tell you that. There's a lot of anger and hate. And the only way to conquer that is by starting to love each other again. And that, that takes vulnerability. And it takes time. And it takes... Us laying inside our rights and our wants and saying, this is better for the kingdom. And it's a hard thing to talk about nowadays. And, and actually, that's why I kind of avoided COVID this whole conversation, because we've beaten it to death. It doesn't have anything to do with COVID anymore. matter of fact, COVID is like, it started well before this. And I even think John talked about this a few weeks ago, where it was like, this had nothing to do with this. This was already crumbling a long time ago. This just threw fuel on the fire. That's all and it's crazy it is absolutely crazy and this has affected other parts of the world but definitely to no extent as what it has here in America it definitely is something happening with God in this country and the church needs to rise up by the way the last one give is always one of my favorites cuz um, I'll tell you a story i once was discipling a young man who was in a muslim country and this is how i usually Disciple, I give them a Bible in their own language and let them read it. And then let them ask the questions. And by the way, the greatest questions are when they come to me and say, what about this? And I go, I have no clue. We don't always have the answers, people. And it's okay. It's okay to say no. It's the worst is when you say, oh, you give some theological excuse, and it doesn't hold water at all. It's okay to say, I have no clue. Why are healings not seen as much as what we feel they should be? Because God says, if you pray, they'll be healed. People ask me that question all the time. I have no clue why. I just keep doing it. I keep doing what God asked me to do, believing it will happen, and I do see it. But not to the extent that I should. Of course, maybe I shouldn't be praying for healing for him. Anyways, um, (laughs) but it's the thing is giving. Give generously, right? So I once gave him this Bible, and he read this passage, he came back about tithing. Like he was in the Old Testament, which kind of sounds funny, but if you don't start in the Old Testament and read your way through, a lot of people like focus in the New Testament because of salvation. You don't even understand God's character until you get into there. Now, for new believers, this is difficult, and I understand it's sometimes better to start. But go back soon and start reading it. Because you find God's character and nature in there. And giving is one of the big things. It came up with tithing. And he came to me. He goes, what's this about this tithing kind of thing? And I said, well, what do you think? And he goes, oh, I think it says we're supposed to give to God 10%. And I said, well, yeah, I think. Is that what you feel and stuff? And he goes, yes, I do. And then he told me. He goes, but I don't think that's it. I think we're supposed to give generously with an open heart. I started laughing. (laughs) I was like. I was like, can you please come to North America and help me teach on tithing? Because I was like, how do you get it? Just by reading the word. Why? Because there is no of this outside junk being forced on him. He just clearly read the word, got the answer, walked it out. It's all the other stuff that we hear that causes us problems, right? So... Um, I, I I did this too. I I don't, don't even bother. This is like this is the sample. That's 49 of them. I I gave the 48 away and I, I went middle ground, okay, between the 48 and 52, a <laughs> compromise, all right. But the theme of all the scriptures is to love God with all our heart and to love one another. That is it. It is the entire gospel summed up. And all of these are like it just goes on and on and on. And you can spend days going through this stuff. And there's tons of research out there. There's an old book in the 1920s, I think, that does 420 of them. And I was just like, I read it, and I was like, my mind was like, I really need to repent and start doing something with my life. Um, You know, like, do not judge others. Ask and seek. You know, I was like, do I have to do this one, God? Um, Yeah, guess what? We don't get an option on these either. It's what he told us to do. How do people know that we're a believer? By what we do. How we act. How we walk it out. And I don't know why, but some of us have this concept that it's not fun. I don't know why it's like a drudge. I don't understand this concept of it's hard to do this stuff. It's fun. I absolutely love walking my life out with Christ. And watching other people find him and walk it out with him. And actually dive into the word and start discovering things. And the first thing I've always taught in Bible colleges is I'm probably not right. And they're probably not right. But let's journey this out together and see if we can figure out who God is together. I don't have them figured out. I'm still on this journey like everybody else. That's okay. Don't stop. The moment you stop, I've always said this, you stop on a hill, what happens? Eventually you slide down. You can't stop. Try skiing. (laughs) See what happens when you do this. (laughs) Eventually you slide down. You can't stop with the gospel. You can't stop walking this out. It's a constant forward motion. And if you don't, you will find out the hard way. You end up what our nation is now. If you stop where you're comfortable, where you just, this is enough, God. I like it where I'm at. I like Sundays, one service. I like to sit in my comfortable seat, and I'm done. That sums up our churches. Okay, and it's not, I'm part of the problem too. I do it, right? I, I can't tell you the last time I was at a Wednesday Bible study. I don't even know if they have those anymore. But I remember doing them here. I remember doing them out at the office by the airport years ago. Um, why did they quit? Nobody came. We get busy in our own lives. It's all about us. It's Something's got to change, or we can't do it. Now, that's all of us. Let's, let's, let's move on. So, that's how you change us, but also how you change the world. Now, the, this is, a, this is a, a recent photo on a lineup on a border in Afghanistan of a bunch of people trying to flee. And I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of friends over there in the last little while. And I, I worked near this region and with a lot of people, and, and I've been listening to um, their hearts and some of the things that have been said. And I was very impressed with a lot of the believers that are being left behind in Afghanistan right now. Where where they were like, no, this is where we're supposed to be. No, it's, it's well, we need to do ministry here. It needs to continue. God's work needs to happen. There is no question of their outcome. I don't think you understand like what it's like living like that. It, you just write yourself off. And that's what I always laugh at. Some people think, "Oh my goodness, that's horrible." Not to them. What 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 better thing could I do for the church, for God, than to continue to spread his word and disciple others? It's I don't understand this whole trying to live forever idea here on earth. It doesn't happen. So Make the most of every second we have. Pray for where we're supposed to be. And I also have another thing, though. Just because you're stupid doesn't make you a martyr. So um, make sure you're doing it for God, not for some other reasons. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) I've seen some dumb teenagers in my life. Um, So (laughs) it's, it's an amazing time for them. And it's hard. Now, everybody asked me what went wrong in Afghanistan. I've had this question so many times from so many pastors. And it, its I can't believe that you guys don't understand. An army cannot beat a religion. Did it work for the Crusades? No. An army cannot beat a religion. It's physically impossible. They out, you cannot do it. What did God say about the religions that were in Palestine and Israel and Lebanon at the time when Israel crossed over the Jordan. Kill all of them. Don't let a single soul survive or they will be a thorn in your side and corrupt you. Even God in his infinite wisdom gave us a clear understanding of what would happen if you let now, I'm not saying we should do genocide. That's not the comment here, okay? And that's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is they need to hear about Jesus. That's the only way you can deal with this. It was inevitable. As a matter of fact, I can't even believe people didn't understand this from day one. I was just kind of surprised. I was like, of course, it was an inevitable outcome. You You didn't have missionaries and churches popping up everywhere. Islam was still strong. You can't win. It's just not going to happen. So I don't understand the whole, i say it was 20 years of wasted time um, when the church should have been at work. You know, we dropped the ball. That was our fault. If you want to know why the Taliban came back, it's us. We had the opportunity in a 20-year window To radically change a nation for the glory of God and we didn't do it. So who do you think God's going to say? Yeah, it's us. It was our fault. I don't know why the church doesn't start taking responsibilities for things. We shy away instantly and it's our fault. And I take responsibility for it. I needed to do more and I didn't. And it's, yeah, there's no excuses. And so I got to look at pictures like this. This is a, was taken at a refugee um, coming across the border. I don't think you guys understand. um, It's hard until you live in cultures to understand what they're like, but Islam is an extremely loving and kind and compassionate family culture. Um, What I just heard three days ago out of there from believers, I said, what's it like? He said, we've never felt so much peace in our lives. I was like, what? They've been at war for over 20 years. Can you imagine no bombs dropping every day, no one getting shot? Can you imagine? People are traveling right now. They said to go see family in areas that they weren't allowed because they were afraid of attacks and appraisals. And most of them were just, you know, they're just bystanders. Innocents that get caught in the crossfire. And now they can actually live life again. Don't think we understand that What we think in our perceptions doesn't apply always. So being underneath the Taliban might actually flourish the church as it is in China. Underneath communism. So don't stop praying for them. Don't stop interceding and making sure that these people are covered and continue to do their work. And through the grace of God, hopefully our mistakes as a church will be rectified. And that's something I want to leave you guys with, is that that just that hope in that. But I also got to talk about this, because it was one thing that John talked about, what I've been doing lately and stuff. And I tell everybody, I said, as a church, as, as believers, um, we're lazy, okay? Even in missions. The easiest ground's gone. So in waves of missions around the world, everywhere there was a coast, it's already been evangelized and has huge Christian populations. Most of Europe is all what we deem Christian. I would definitely argue that one. Um, North America, again, I think we might be, <laughs> have to argue that one. But it was areas that were easy, that were receptive, that were not hostile towards us. Um, maybe I should rephrase that, that. Native Americans will really not like that one. Um, we did a huge injustice, and we still are. In Canada, we're dealing with that hugely right now about just the slaughter of children that, up until the 1960s that were taking place. And it's been just horrific. And yet it was done by the church. So that's, you know, we have some stuff we have to... Yeah, we need to apologize and repent and walk away and start the healing. But those were the easy ground, believe it or not. That's the easy stuff. Why? Because it wasn't the major religions of the world. It wasn't the hardest areas of the world. And nowadays we've realized that the places that are left that have not even heard the name of Jesus at all, and I'm, I'm not kidding you, not even a curse word has ever been heard in some of these places. They just have no clue what I'm talking about when I go there. These areas are incredibly hard to get to, like incredibly hard to get to. Um, and this is why some of these areas are still very strong in the religious faith. Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, um, it's because we're not willing to sacrifice our own selves to go. So some of these areas are incredibly remote. And this picture is actually a group of people that are going off to a country here, actually just left today um, um, to travel. (laughs) Hopefully they all got the flights and everything. Um, They go to a place that, that is very, very, very remote. And they're going to be spending three months there. Um, witnessing and spending time and praying over the regions. My job lately has been helping these people get trained and get to the places they need to go and encourage them along the way. It is incredibly difficult to go these places. Um, This is kind of, we call it the 1040 window. I just wanted to bring this up because a lot of people don't understand what's that longitude and latitude in some countries outside. We're not perfect on our our geography, apparently, as missionaries. That houses the world's largest populations and the least amount of believers and the largest amount of every other faith on earth are in there. And I'm not kidding you, when I say the least amount of believers, it is staggering how few people are believers in these areas. Now, some people will say, well, but China has a huge underground church movement. Well, first off, it's not underground because the first thing is that all the Western churches blabbed about it. So everybody gets arrested and goes to prison. So it's no longer underground. It's a prison ministry now full time for pastors. And they love it. They get their witness to guards and to other inmates. Because that's their ministry now. They've lost their, their, most of their ground has been in prison now. The birth rate in China outdoes conversion rates. So there's more people born that be, than become believers. Same in India. So we're not gaining ground. We're losing ground in these areas. Um, yeah, so that, that, this here is the most unevangelized part of the entire Earth. Now these stats are old, because it's only one I could find a slide for. OK, judge me. Um, but and these are way higher now. Like 334 million people have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. That's, by the way, what it means to be unevangelized is never hear the name of Jesus Christ. Those numbers are shocking. When you sit here and think about it. But also, if you hadn't noticed where those countries are, they're some of the most remote and difficult places on earth to get to. It is brutal. That's out my back door. John actually had phoned me a full while ago or texted me about watching a video of this area of the world. And he's like, man, these mountains are crazy compared to what ours And I said, yeah. Yet there's villages up there. I work in a village that's over 17,000 feet. And I try to play soccer. If you ever want to watch a Canadian throwing up on the ground, that is a soccer game at 17,000 feet. Um, (laughs) I have never shown this picture. That's my home. One in the middle. That's where I spent 10 years of my life. That village to get to that's the walking path. That's me, then halfway up, then another half. you got to go up this thing to get there. That's at, I think, 13,000 you start at and you finish at 17,600. Everything from food to firewood, everything has to be gathered. It is a brutal hike to get home. There's no roads. There's no Nothing. And you wonder why my wife was like at seven months pregnant, a little irritated with me. Um, (laughs) That's life. But training people to go there has been what we've been doing a lot of. And it's been the passion lately. And to continue to do it is important. And these people are actually giving up a lot. And I've been so impressed with some of the young generation. So as I close today, I just want to thank everybody for prayers and supports and everything that's been happening through all this. But we need to make a change. And I even challenged all these guys when I was teaching them about spending time with God in the Word. Preaching from the Bible, not from something you heard on a podcast. Spend time with Him. Get to know Him so that other people can know Him. In these places that are desperate for Him. We look at our country crumbling. These people haven't even heard it. We need to step up and start working as a church. Here at home, for the home, And then starting to look further away. So, yeah, I just want to close with that. And, uh, yeah, except I have one more picture. There you go. There you go, John. Four pounds of metal in this body now. So, uh, yeah, that's my hand right now. Um, So thank you for all the prayers. Uh, I'm up, walking, moving. uh, Mostly put back together with steel, but it's all good. And I just want to thank everybody for their continuing prayer and support through all this. So, I'm just going to pray quick. Um, Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. Father, I know I don't spend enough time with you in prayer and in word with you. And Father, I I thank you that you've convicted me even to spend time with you. So, Father, I just pray for everybody here that you will start giving them times in their days where they can spend time with you. That they will choose time set aside to spend just with you. Listening to you, praying and reading your word. And I thank you that you've given us the word that we can read. So Father God, I just thank you for this great congregation, this amazing time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.